This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Doing a quick score check around college basketball right now. I hope you listen to us early on in the show and bet the over in Alabama and Kentucky because it is 46-31 with four minutes to go in the first half. That totals up to like 190-some. Maybe they, maybe the players heard us before the show. I think they might have. I, I might, might, might have got them if, going a little if, bit. If you want to get drafted, like this is this is the game because nobody's playing defense. <laughs> right. and you can show your offensive repertoire, but yeah, this this is an exciting game early on. It is. It is. Um, North Carolina, Virginia, kind of going how we thought it was a little bit in terms yeah. of lower scoring. Virginia has 16 points in the first mm, half, Cam. Mm, 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 That's mm, terrible. It's not gonna cut it. Not gonna cut it. I t- I told you this could look Oof. very Virginia Techish for Cavalier fans. That is you not good. You could be looking at a 30 plus blowout not good tony bennett can't be happy uh pleased with how his team I mean, the, is playing. the bennett family i mean dick bennett his dad legendary coach right yeah. i mean it was wisconsin green bay and then he went to wisconsin i think they scored when he took wisconsin to the final four i think they had like 22 or 23 points that had a very low scoring wow. first half and yeah, I mean, the Bennett's known for defense, not offense. Yeah, but you still have to have. I I'm mean, with you. Reese Beekman have have is 16. like the only guy that you can say, hey, go get me a bucket. And even then, like, not one of the upper echelons of go get a bucket players. Five of 30 from the four as a team. Yeah. 16%. <laughs> Yikes, that's so oh, bad. six from three. That is so bad. That's not so good. not going to help out. Uh, Cam, another thing that is not good if you're a Duke fan, which you are a Duke oh, fan. Oh, what happened Kyle now? Filipowski. <laughs> Gets injured, sprains his ankle after Wake Forest beats Duke, storms the court. Someone steps on his ankle. Somehow wow. he he rolls it, and he has to be carried off the court. Wow. That's, that's awful. Let me, let me look at this. That oh, is awful. And it. this is not the first court storming incident that we've had this season. Caitlin Clark was run into. I know there's been a couple other that I can't think of off the top of my head. But at some point, oh man, we've got to figure out. He's in How to protect the players in these? Because court storming is fun. Like that's part of college basketball. It's part of you know the, being a student there. But you have a bunch of drunk kids who are exactly. rushing the court after that. I would imagine almost want to hurt opposing players. Like they don't have any. They're not thinking like let me do this yep. safely. They're thinking those are our opponents. It's Duke. We just beat you. Blah blah blah. And now Kyle Filipowski could be, I mean, 
I'm just speculating, but yeah. he could be out a couple games for the rest of the regular season. Does it follow him into postseason? Yep. That that sucks. And that's a big blow when we talked about how tight the standings are in the ACC, yes. right? I mean, they have a date with North Carolina, and we don't want to disrespect the previous matchups that Duke will have before that game. But still, in this stretch run of the ACC Conference, you want to have all of your players available, especially your stars like Kyle Filipowski. And now you're looking at a team at Duke that has four games left, right? Yeah. You're going to be back home against Louisville and Virginia. Then you got to go on the road against NC State and finish it off against North Carolina. That team looks different without Kyle Filipowski. Way now, everyone else, Jeremy Roach, um, you're looking at the freshmen and Caleb Love and Jared McCain, like Tyrese Proctor. Everybody else moves up on the scouting uh -huh. report. And that light hits different when you're not that first option on the scouting report. If you are that first option, then you're going to be in for a hell of a night because now that defense is focused in on everything that you do well. If you don't have a counter to it, then good luck. But you got to find some kind of, I don't know, security or barricade type of thing yeah. to put up to the turf fans. I mean, this is this is something that clearly has to be flushed out and a thought-out idea by the NCAA mm -hmm. to prevent court storming. But to your point, and before you said it, I was going to mention this, maybe there is some fan out there yeah. that sees that player on that court and we just beat you. And I'm, you know, and a few Duke beers is a, in. A very polarizing in. team, exactly, too. Exactly, for sure. And I'm not in my right mind. And right. We, we, we've all had a, a drink or two before. And you start to feel <laughs> yes, a little superhuman. Yes, that, no <laughs> that nothing can hurt me. <laughs> so if I'm running full speed and I see Kyle Filipowski right there, I might kind of like turn my angle just, just a little bit. just nudge him a little. And just, just a stomp a little check. harder. Yeah, just give him a little body check really quickly because I think I'm, I'm, I'm the Hulk now. Yeah. I've had a few drinks. So that's the scary situation that this is in. And more importantly, hopefully it's nothing serious with Filipowski, but you're messing with his money mm -hmm. because that's a multi-million dollar athlete right there. This guy has plans of coming point. out of, the, of college basketball and being a first-round pick. So God forbid it's something worse than just a, a, a minor a ankle tweak. sprain, but if it's, hey, a broken bone in his foot. If, if he has to have surgery. A torn meniscus off of the contact. Mm. I mean, like we said, with Caitlin Clark, that situation could have been a lot worse yeah. than what it looked like. So it – it's, it's dangerous, and the court storming has to stop. And this is uh, this was what the other storming that I was thinking about but couldn't remember is LSU, Kentucky. LSU was just fined $100,000 for their storming two nights ago when they beat Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's something, and it's hard. Like, how do you stop a student body like that, that yeah. many fans? It's just the, the, the dangers of that. And let's let's just be honest about this. We, we live in a country that, you know, we've seen – Things escalate in terms of the terms of violence. Yeah, it's scary. You don't know who has what on them. Yeah, right. they may go through metal de detectors or security, things like that, but you just never know. That's a very and good point. I'm not trying to bring light to this, and I don't want this to happen, but if a player gets seriously hurt in terms of someone bringing a weapon onto that court, mm -hmm. you got to answer for that. Yeah. And that's a serious and scary situation, and I'm thinking about this as now as a parent, because if that's my kid out there and you do something to my kid, well, uh -oh. I'm going to jail. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to jail <laughs> yeah. because it's going to take a few people to get me off of you for what you did to my kids. So right. those are the dangers and the situations that you try to prevent with this court storming stuff. And I'm like, I just keep scrolling through Twitter and looking at these videos. He got, he got smoked. Yeah, yeah. Like he got run over. And he was in serious pain too. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, John Shire's reaction when he saw yeah. him. I mean, it was it was not, not good. good. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if I'm John Shire, I'm pissed. Because I'm sure Shire has 
experienced court storming before. Yeah. We played at Duke, and Duke may have lost, and now you got fans running onto the court. He's had his own experiences of people targeting him, possibly, right, right. and trying to run into him. So Yeah, forget the loss. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. But right. your, your star player gets injured with four games left in the regular season. The NCAA tournament just around the corner. Yeah. Like, oh, that is just not – the NCAA needs to figure out some way to – kind of combat that randy what you got for seth, us seth davis tweeted out this is 51 minutes ago uh, kyle filipowski had a collision with a fan during the court storm and had to be hobbled off and had hobbled off the court terrible with all capitals mm. job by wake forest to protect the players this is why court storms need to stop hope he's okay yeah, yeah exactly yep. exactly what, what is it going to take do we have to go to another level of somebody having a career-ending injury for court storming to stop do we have to have some type of violence to happen on the court before court storming can well, stop. Like, do it now. Right. Take do it now before it right anyone now, gets before even gets more yeah. severely injured. But how do you do it? Like, do you have to put boards up? Do you have yeah. to, like, you can't just have security. And maybe, maybe you can. Maybe you can double, triple your security, have them lined the the court right, right at the end. And hopefully it's like send, send the Red Rover game. Send over yeah, Red yeah, Rover. Yeah, you yeah. can't get through, right? Right, right That right, would be right. something, but. I don't know. They have to. They have to figure out an, a solution right. for this at some point because I mean, it can't continue. I know that there are countless number of students and fans in that arena, and you have countless cameras That's on true. those courts. So start identifying people, yeah, and make people examples, yeah. Like maybe this person has been expelled, and I, yeah, I'll take it that far. I, I don't care. Yeah, you should have thought better than running onto that court. Especially if there's something implemented where the NCAA says that you cannot do this. Well, you want to break the rule? Goodbye. Find another university to go to. Right, right. Um, we're talking to Adam Rittenberg, ESPN uh, senior college football writer on the other side of this. So this uh, next segment, we'll ask him about this. I mean, he doesn't, he's more of a college football guy, but yeah. he's in the weeds in, in college athletics. So maybe we'll get his uh, perspective on this. Uh, Cam, switching gears here a little. We do have the draft coming up, the NFL draft, mm -hmm. that is. Um, Our Lads is a website that does mock drafts and stuff. There's a ton of mock drafts out there. You can find them literally anywhere. Yeah. But this one has Jaden Daniels going number one and Caleb Williams down, like, fifth fifth on this. What do you think of that? I don't I haven't seen any other mock draft that has Caleb Williams at five. And Jaden Daniels going to Chicago, number one? Um, actually, now that I'm reading this, it is, it's, it's just their top 32 players. Okay, okay. So not necessarily draft-wise, but I'll, still. That's 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 interesting, um, unless they're just trying to get, have uh, those opportunities to, to get the, the website out. <laughs> I, I can tell you, dealing with our lads for years, they're like one of the most respected scouting services. Okay. Okay. Uh, NFL teams, actually, I mean, I don't know if they still do, because yeah. they have such huge departments now, but used to use their scouting services when they're getting close to the draft. I've seen okay. it firsthand, and, like, people are very impressed by our lad. So this is, like, a This legit, is a big deal. This yeah. is a legit thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is uh, where we got to bring Kevin Lapka on Oh, Kev. I, I know Kevin. He's got an opinion. some thoughts on the NFL draft and the <laughs> Bears and what that looks like, possibly. But Jay Daniels, number one overall, or the best available option, in the draft, I'm seeing some drafts where Caleb Williams is going number one. You got Jaden Daniels going number two, possibly two, maybe Washington if the Bears draft Caleb Williams. But Kevin Lapka, I've been I've been seeing your 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 posts on X. 
And you've been getting deep into this draft conversation, man. So what you got for me? I mean, is it not one of the most exciting stories, stories in sports? And maybe not exciting is the right word, but it's fascinating. It is a fascinating juncture that the Bears are involved in right now. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the timing of this being now, right? You know, as the combine heats up, if the Bears meet with Caleb Williams and, you know, the first initial meeting goes really well, they may say, hey, this is this is it. You know, we have to do more evaluations, but we'll trade Justin uh, or do what we're going to do. Or maybe they meet with Caleb and he rubs them the wrong way and whatever it may be and you go a different direction this is a really critical time but going into what we were talking about here with our lads I mean as respected as they may be (laughs) he's not going number one overall Jaden Daniels I think is going to be a good player in this league but he's not going number one overall he's plus 3,000 on BetMGM to go number one overall for a reason and there's no scenario where the Chicago Bears take Jaden Daniels number one overall I I, I couldn't tell you one scenario where the Bears end up with Jaden Daniels with the first overall pick it's Caleb Williams or bust I think the Bears obviously should stick with fields and build a roster I've been on this for a while and I'm not going to go off of that with that being said Caleb Williams still is one of the more impressive prospects we've seen in the last five years and Jaden Daniels has flaws to his games that can concern teams and it doesn't help when you saw the way the playoffs played out and the main comp for Jaden Daniels is Lamar Jackson and although GMs really shouldn't look at it this way they're going to say well look at the guy in Lamar Jackson who lost and look at his you know player comp and Jaden Daniels for this draft is that a style is that style of quarterback conducive to winning in the NFL and then you have the comparisons between Mahomes and Caleb which I don't think are fair in the first place but what occurred in these NFL playoffs aren't going to help the case for Jaden Daniels to be taken higher and above Caleb Williams in this draft. So to me, that's outright crazy. Uh, I think the ultimate thing that I think the Bears will end up taking Caleb Williams number one overall, but I still think there is a possibility that the Bears aren't that team that are taking him number one overall and they do make some sort of trade. And maybe it is for Jaden Daniels, but further down in a trade down or a Drake May in a trade down or keeping Justin. I think if you're not taking Caleb, you do keep Justin. Um, But anyone else but Caleb number one is, is just crazy to me. I'm looking at Marvin Harrison Jr., and I've said this time and time again. I do not care, people. I don't care if he is a wide receiver. The Bears can still take him at number one overall. No, they can't, Cam. They can't. Well, why <laughs> I not? was going to say, Cam's going to you, If you are believing that Justin Fields is your guy and you're not moving away from Justin Fields, you can take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall because you have your quarterback. What's the majority of, number, of teams that have the number one overall pick? They're going the quarterback route. Yeah. The Bears don't need a quarterback. Go with Marvin Harrison Jr. or get into a situation when you work a deal with Washington where you move back to the number two overall pick. Washington gets number one. You also get some other things with that pick. Right. You're just not going to swap spots with Washington. Okay, you know, it's a done deal. No, you're going to have to give up something else. And maybe you can take the pressure off of yourself and maybe the controversy off of yourself and take Marvin Harrison Jr., second overall in that situation. So those two scenarios, but if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., number one overall in my book, I wouldn't be controversial of the pick. There's no controversy for it. Cam, you know, there's been three in the history of the NFL draft, there's been three Mm -hmm. times where a wide receiver was drafted number one overall. Uh, 1964, Dave Parks, San Francisco 49ers. (laughs) You can see his bust in Canton right now. Uh, Irving Fryer, who had a good career, played 17 seasons. Patriots, 1984, and then... Just give me the damn ball. Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson, Johnson 1996. Yeah, yeah. That's, it. That's the last time a wide receiver was drafted number one. But I don't, I don't see an issue with that. I honestly do not see an issue with a wide receiver going number one overall. If your team is set with your quarterback, if he is your guy, are you going to go with, what, an offensive lineman 
and leave Marvin Harrison Jr. out there for someone else to draft? Like, but I, I wouldn't can't do you that. wouldn't you want to trade the number one pick because you can get a lot more back for it, or is Marvin Harrison that, Jr. Yeah. enough to stay there? I would think that this Bears front office is smart enough to know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is our guy. Yeah, we would like to take him number one overall, but. If we can get more by trading with a Washington or another team just to bounce back to second overall, third overall, fourth overall, whatever it is, if we know that Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll is going to be, be there. there, then, yeah, we'll make that deal. I get that. But if they're just like, you know what, we don't care if there have been three picks in NFL history where guys have been <laughs> drafted number be one overall fourth. that are receivers. This is the fourth. Keyshawn Johnson and the other guys in that group, Irving Fry, you guys have a new person in that group with you guys, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Adam Rittenberg <laughs> coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on The Better Angle. Cam, we're going to bring in Adam Rittenberg in just one moment. Okay. But uh, in the break, we were looking at a video from the Duke game. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Filipowski going down. It did kind of like there was a player that pushed him, or yeah. a player, a student that pushed him. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, was, it certainly could be a thing where, like, opposing fan bases are kind of targeting a little bit. You have to imagine that, right? I mean, the, these fans are smart enough to do a quick Google search, and if they're fans, they know that Duke is bring, bringing certain stars to the court, and Filipowski yeah. is the star of that team. So, again, if I'm running on that court, and in my mind, oh, there's Filipowski right there, I'm going to run towards him. And either say something or try and contact mm -hmm. him in some way, or just, just to know that he sees you, right? Just, you know, just to try and but be. But they a... shouldn't be able to get that close. Exactly. That's exactly. the thing. So That's the it, thing. It was just the replay is is really really bad. So again, hopefully that Filipowski is fine, um, and it's just like a minor injury and minor to the point where it doesn't affect in terms any of him time. missing any games. Yeah. Right. All right, we're going to bring in Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer at ESPN. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time to jump on with us today. We have a bunch of college football questions that we want to get to um, in this segment. But just first, your thoughts being so close to, you know, college atmospheres in terms of players or students rushing courts. Like, there's been such an issue with that lately, or especially this season. How do we fix that? Yeah, I just heard the comments from John Shire, the Duke coach, after the game, and obviously he, you know, he, he's not that old. He played relatively uh, recently and, and was a part of those court storms. And what he said is, you know, listen, you have to have a delay uh, after the final horn until the court is then stormed. I mean, you probably can't prevent it entirely, but that there, you know, it can't, it can't be happening before the end of the game. And I, I've seen a couple of places that have done a good job of creating a little bit of a security wall you know, around the benches so that the, the, the players can, you know, get, get out of there as fast as possible. Sometimes it's hard because of where they're running to as far as uh, locations of visiting locker rooms, but there almost has to be a path created, uh, you know, right after the game ends so that the visiting team can get off the court and then you can allow, you know, whatever celebration you want. So I've seen that happen at Kansas State. A couple other places did a nice job with, like, a wall of security to prevent that immediate court storm where the visiting athletes really have no protection from the, the storming fans. All right, Adam, let's get caught up on everything that's been going on college football-wise in the offseason because it feels like there's been so many moving parts, and there have been so many moving parts from the sidelines of coaching carousels and, of course, players in the transfer portal. So for you, Adam, what's been the biggest move of the offseason or moves, in your opinion, from what we've seen so far since Michigan hoisted up the national championship trophy? 
Yeah, I think certainly the volume of quarterbacks that have gone in the portal, not a huge surprise, but it keeps going up. And then certainly the effect of Nick Saban's retirement, right? The, the coaching carousel was essentially over at that point. And um, once he uh, retired, it triggered a, a number of moves. And you know, we just had a, a final vacancy that was filled um, yesterday at Georgia State. I mean, that, this is the latest that I can remember the, the college coaching carousel going, and there's still some assistant moves and, and vacancies that have to be filled. But, yeah, I just think that the Saban retirement, even though, again, he's a guy in his early 70s, not that surprising, that was a huge, huge story and had quite a ripple effect around the sport. What does Alabama's program look like going forward without Saban? I know they, they brought in a fantastic head coach. Uh, they have a lot of good talent, but – it's still going to be so different not seeing Saban on the sidelines. Yeah, no doubt. I think we're really going to see a couple of things, you know, just how strong of a job this is and also how much Nick Saban made it better. I, again, I think if you what, what surprises the casual college football fan, and this is even before Georgia got good, um, if you had to just tell a coach, take a job, any job, uh, you know, because of its uh, location, advantages, history, all these things, a lot of coaches would have taken Georgia over Alabama, even when Saban was at the height of his powers. And so now, you know, he's obviously not there. There's a transition going on. How good can they be? When can they contend for a national title? Because their fans have been spoiled. I mean, they, they've obviously been the, the premier program in the sport at a very competitive time. And now Kalen's got to come in and try to sustain that. Now, he's a great coach. I really like the fact that he's not a former uh, Nick Saban assistant or a Saban disciple because then everything he would do would be directly compared to Saban if he'd worked under him or if he had been an Alabama guy. I think coming in from the outside, if he can just stick to who he is and his approach, they're going to have success there. Are they going to win six national titles? I, I just don't think that that's realistic for anyone in this environment. But are they going to make the playoff on a regular basis? I, I think that that's absolutely uh, a realistic um, expectation. And I think they're still going to be really strong in, in, in different areas. You know, Saban's quarterback play got better and better as his time went on. I don't see that dropping off under Kalen DeBoer and his staff. So it, it's going to be fascinating, though, just definitely different to, to see a new coach there. Kalen DeBoer taking over for Nick Saban at Alabama and uh, Sharon Moore taking over for yeah. Jim Harbaugh over at Michigan. So Harbaugh now in the NFL with the L.A. Chargers. And what do you think that transition will be like for that program in Michigan? You're coming off a national championship. There are some people out there that have the expectations that this team could possibly return back to that stage. I'm a little leery on that one, Adam. <laughs> but at 11-1 to win the national championship for the upcoming season, what are you looking at with Michigan in terms of how that transition fits their program? Could we see them back and possibly a college football playoff next season? Well, I think because the playoff goes to 12, that, that's that's realistic. It's going to be realistic for Michigan pretty much every year. If it was still a 14 playoff, though, guys, I, I wouldn't pick them. I, I just think there's too much uh, from a personnel standpoint that will be different. You obviously will have uh, two new coordinators, a lot of new assistants on the staff. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. I mean, they have you know some, some holdover players, but nobody with significant experience. They did not add anybody from the transfer portal. So they're one of those teams, guys, that will be looking for a quarterback in the spring portal potentially if they don't love what they see from one of the holdovers. I know Jack Tuttle just got a seventh year of eligibility. Uh, he's been in the program for a while but really hasn't played a whole lot. You know, Alex Orgy was used as kind of a change-up quarterback for them last year, but they, they 
really lack experience at quarterback. So even though Alabama, yes, Nick Saban's no longer there, Jalen Milrow is there, and Kalen DeBoer is certainly a you know, more experienced head coach than Sharon Moore, although I think Sharon will do really well at Michigan and certainly understands the program and, and, and has the, the, the respect and admiration of the players. So, But I, I think because it's a 12-team playoff, they have a chance. I, I don't see Michigan repeating as a national champion, though, this year. We're talking to Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer at ESPN. Adam, uh, Michigan's biggest rival, Ohio State, they look a little bit different this year. Will Rogers coming in uh, from Kansas State to be the Buckeyes' new quarterback. Chip Kelly coming over to be the offensive coordinator. Is this with Michigan maybe having a, I don't want to say down year this year because you just laid out all the reasons, they can still be competitive. Um, but does the conference kind of switch over back to Ohio State's favor with some of the moves that they've made this offseason? Well, I think certainly Ohio State's inability to beat Michigan and win a national title has you know, motivated them to have you know, you know, a pretty incredible offseason when you think about it. Um, you know, Not just Will Howard, but Quinshawn Judkins coming in from Ole Miss, and they were able to retain a lot of their you know, NFL draft-eligible players who could have been out of there, like a Travion Henderson at running back or a Mecca Buka at receiver, uh, J.T. Tuamalo and Jack Sawyer and some of the other defensive linemen, Tyleek Williams, they're all remaining there. So this feels like a all-or-nothing season for Ohio State. So where Michigan, you know, you know, I think if they miss the playoff, it's not going to be the end of the world. If Ohio State misses the playoff at 12 teams, that will be a disaster, given what they have coming back. And, you know, the fact that Ryan Day has been there a while, has done well, but not won a national title, hasn't beaten Michigan lately, hasn't won the Big Ten. So I really think going into this year, guys, looking at this conference, it's Ohio State and probably Oregon before Michigan. Those two teams, because of who they have a quarterback and some of the other veterans they have on their team, uh, you know, they really project it as the ones that can win a national title. All right, I know there are some uh, Georgia Bulldog fans out there saying, okay, you guys have not talked about this, about <laughs> us because we're the favorite to win the national championship this upcoming season at plus 350 on MGM. So, Adam, how are you viewing this Georgia team? Because Kirby Smart is bringing in the number one ranked recruiting class, and they also got some big additions in the transfer portal. So are they your favorite to win the national championship? Yeah, they are. I, I think it's hard to, to make a case for anyone else um, because, you know, that was a team that, uh, you know, was not healthy for the SEC title game, not an excuse. Alabama went out and beat them, and you give Alabama credit for, for that. But Georgia was certainly capable of winning a third straight national title and is capable of winning a third in four years with, with, with what they have coming back. Carson Beck, just looking at his numbers the other day, uh, guys, uh, just so efficient. I think he had no games of less than 65% completion. That's really hard to do. You know, usually you have an off game or a defense gets to you, but he was just so uh, accurate and consistent in his first year as a starter. And I think you know, he's only going to get better, even though you know, they lose Brock Bowers and they lose some of their other uh, weapons on the perimeter. But uh, I, I really like you know, George's chances. Now their schedule like a lot of teams in the SEC, will get a lot harder, you know, with, with Texas and, and, Alabama, and uh, Oklahoma coming into the conference. They have some tougher games in, in the SEC West, those opponents. So it's, it's going to be a, a, a tough road for them, especially away from Athens. But you have to like the roster and their chances, you know, having been so close to, uh, to a third title last year. Adam, switching gears just a bit. Uh, you were at Caitlin Clark's game against Northwestern when Iowa played there just a couple weeks ago. What was one of your biggest takeaways from watching her in person? 
Yeah, I just think it's the it's the crowds, right? Um, and you know, for a road player, uh, you just don't see that a whole lot. I've seen a lot of you know you know good college, great college basketball players, um, you know, play on the road, and just the the lines that are outside and the 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 lengths that people are going to just to see her play, both financially and travel wise, um, the effect that she's had on 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 girls and and just being so interested in in the sport um, at, at a different level, you know, maybe unlike other stars in the women's game. I think that, that, that really jumped out to me. And just seeing the scene after the game, as we we're talking about the security at Wake Forest. I mean, I had never seen security like that where a whole section of the arena, you know, on, on the arena floor, you couldn't even go there unless you were credentialed. And then there are four or five police in the tunnel. As soon as the game ends, they're on the court escorting her out. And then the, probably the best scene was after Iowa's bus was about to leave, one of their campus police officers came over to one of the Northwestern officers and, and just shook their hand and just seemed so relieved that they got through another night of Caitlin Clark on the road because there's just such an incredible fervor and interest in getting to see her play. So it was a very cool experience. It is it is just crazy to see the, the fans line up outside the arenas before games yeah. to get in. And really this whole court-storming conversation kind of started with uh, her getting run over yeah. uh, earlier this season. Yeah. But, Adam, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. That was Adam Mertenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN. Also has some knowledge in the college basketball yeah, no doubt, world no doubt. as well. For sure, versatile. But he, he definitely got me excited for college football. Yeah. And just like the possibilities of what we could see. And I think that's the great thing about the offseason now with the transfer portal. Like some teams can improve. And, you know, with his thoughts on who's going to win the national championship, he said that Georgia is his favorite, just mm -hmm. like it will be for a lot of people. A lot of people. They're the favorite on, favorites on BetMGM right now, plus 350. But you could see things change around depending on who gets what in the transfer portal and injuries are always a real thing. Not wishing that on anybody, of course, but it's just a great time now and also kind of a sad time because it's just so much change in college sports with the transfer mm -hmm. portal that it's hard to keep up. up. Yeah, for sure. For it's sure. hard to keep up. You got to do your research yeah. before the season starts to yep. figure out who's where. It's like, you know, one of those maps when you're trying to solve a crime. It's like, this person's here, they're there, you've got taking all those this, Taking pictures off, like, okay, yeah, that, that that's yeah. not QB1 anymore because he just transferred to a school. I can't even say the Pac-12 anymore. Let's talk about sad. change. When like, he, look when at he that. said Oregon and Ohio State, I'm like, wait, what is he, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, I forgot. And that's going to be so yeah. weird to yeah. get used to. Yeah, it is, it is. I saw UCLA Scott. in the in the big, I'm like, and USC. Big 10. Yeah. Like what, Kevin Lapka? You, you, how, how are you welcoming USC and UCLA and Oregon into the Big Ten with open arms, man? I don't, I don't know how to welcome them, right? It just feels like yeah, you don't really belong here. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird, right? You can't sit with us. Right. Kevin's like, get out, get out right now. Leave. I, I do legitimately think it'll take like at least three to four years for this to become yeah. like normalized yeah. and for like rivalries to be created. If the, if there are, ever will be rivalries, right? Like, will you ever see like an Ohio state Oregon rivalry down the road that like has some juice? Like it's I, just, I mean, I can't picture that. No, it, just it just seems it weird. It just sounds weird. Yeah. Just in the same sentence, Oregon and Ohio state. Just and like, it's like all of these, these West coast schools that come over, it's cold here yeah. in yeah. November and December. And that's it what Ohio snows. state and Michigan and all these true big 10 schools are yes. banking on. Like, yeah, come on you. UCLA. Right? Come on I'm going to be waiting on all the Midwest. Wait till Oregon December. or USC gets a load of Iowa. 
and when and they go to Iowa. I mean, wait, right? they're punting again? What right. are they? <laughs> hey, we have a new offensive coordinator. We're, We're all... turning things around. Oh, okay. So yeah, we could see sure it's gonna be all more that points on the board. Well, I would know? hope we see more points because we hardly saw any last year. Right. I mean, at least we scored more than three most games. Whoa. But that. Oh. <laughs> okay. Kevin Labka, man, catching strays, dog. For those of it you wondering why that was so funny, <laughs> Ohio State only scored three points in their bowl game. Kevin's an Ohio State alum. You know what's we wild like to about make that? Because I was actually going to make that comment and, and take a shot at Kev. Yeah. Kev, you know you're my boy, man, but I was going to get ready to take a shot at you. Kate didn't do it. So I'm like, it's I, I was going to say, easy. so they're going to score more than three points than Ohio <laughs> yep. State did in their bowl game, right? So sorry, Kev. You got you to take this heat. Until your boys show up next year, man. It's because so we, we love you, Kev. <laughs> uh, more college basketball, maybe a little spring training up on the other side. Stay with us here on The Better Angle. This isn't the right angle. This is The Better Angle with Kate Constable and Cameron Smith on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. In just a couple minutes... Next segment, we're going to interview Steve Spagnuolo. Oh, yeah. Defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Ooh, Chiefs. NFL royalty right there. That man. is. He's filling up those fingers with Super Bowl rings. Once four of them. Yeah. That's impressive. Ooh. I'm excited for that. That's so going to be awesome. So he probably could take that uh, iconic Michael Jordan picture. Yes, like he could. Like with Jordan with the rings on his fingers and like kind of like this. So I, I need Steve Spagnuolo. When he gets You need his to next tell Super him to do ring, that. We, we need to get that picture and That's get that out for into sure. the atmosphere. For sure. Um, I have a confession. In the uh, break, I live bet the under in Alabama and Kentucky. Oh. It's at 199 and a half. What? Yep. You have to take the under. 199 and a half? But it keeps, it jump, it's jumped Why up to it, 201. It's continuing to move up. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me get on the action. In. Let me get my phone. And so my I'm hoping that scoring can like slow down a little bit. Oh, there we just went down to 197 because it's been going up from 199 to 102 back and forth for the last couple minutes. It's back up to 199 and a half. Oh, boy. The good news is it's a 24-point game. That's so what I'm thinking. No, there's yeah. no fouling at the end of the game. Yes. Right, right. Free, and maybe they put in the bench in a little yeah, while yeah. and they're not able to score at this high of a clip. That's kind of what was my thought process mm -hmm. in uh, placing that bet. All right, I'm going under 198 and a half right now, which is set on BetMGM. I think that's still a great number. Yeah. Are you surprised at all, Cam, that Kentucky's winning this big? I am. Because Alabama, with that, as I mentioned, they have the SEC Player of the Year, Mark Sears. Mm -hmm. like, he should win that award. But Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a team at the top of the conference that you would think would use this as a great, not even measuring stick type of game, but more so like a confidence booster type of game because it's Kentucky, right? It's a story program, especially in the SEC. They've beat up on you a number of times, so you can try and use this to just, you know, almost like a Avengers Thanos type of thing, like get that Infinity Stone and kind of like help yourself out, getting even more stronger and confident about yourself. But they just came in and just got smoked yeah. against a team that we thought didn't play any defense, but apparently they do because the Crimson Tide only have 56 points. Holding Alabama to 56 is, is impressive. impressive. Yeah, and I know they're, Kentucky's at home. They're inside of Rupp, but still 56 points. I guess the top team in the SEC yeah. with the SEC player of the year, in my opinion, and Mark Sears, that's some impressive stuff. That is. Uh, Virginia is climbing back in this game. They're only down eight to North Carolina. Now, to make up eight points when they only have 32 all game, that's kind of a, a tall task yeah. when yeah. there's seven, eight minutes left in the game. Uh, so I'd have to imagine North Carolina holds on, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Can we also have Texas and Kansas tipping off That's in about 15 minutes? Kansas, the number nine team in the country. And uh, the Jayhawks at home at Allen Fieldhouse, they don't lose. No, they don't. If this was on the road, it might be different. Play, That's an L. Because I don't know yeah. what is going on with Kansas on the road in Big 12 play. Like, it is really, really bad. But um, I'm laying the six and a half. You're laying the six and tonight. a half? Okay. All right. I, I think I am. Gotcha. I have gotcha. not yet, but I think I'm going to. And I'm also going to lay the 12 and a half with UConn coming off of that loss to Creighton. They're back home. Yeah. Villanova's won their last three or four, I believe, all by double digits. Competition hasn't been. Seton, the Seton Hall win was good. Yeah. But beating Georgetown doesn't do anything for me. Beating Butler. Yeah, solid, but like, eh, yeah, right. not a whole lot. Um, so this is a, a buy low if you can buy low on yeah. UConn. You really can't. But coming off of a bad loss at Creighton, they're back home. College game day was there. Although I did learn today, at uh, I was watching college game day this morning, and when UConn, now I'm blanking on what it is. Oh, when college game day has been at UConn, yeah. they're 0-3. Mm-hmm. So... Little I trend just can't to... see it with Villanova. I, no, I, I can't, can't either. You know, and no disrespect to head coach Kyle Neptune and other Wildcats, but that, that, that team does not have enough. They don't have against it. UConn. They don't have like that. Yeah. Donovan Klingon, Stefan Castle, like the Newton kid, mm-hmm. just the shooters that UConn has, and it's going to be a home game for them, knowing that they got smoked by Creighton. I was so shocked yeah. that they, they got their heads kicked in in that game. They, they come out with a little something extra. Yeah, but. Danny Hurley said on game day today that um, – he was just disappointed that the fight, his players, the mm. lack of fight yeah. in yeah. his players, like yeah. they just didn't play hard. So I would imagine they're going to come out playing pretty hard today. No doubt, no doubt. Side note really quickly, I, I took the under yeah. on okay. Alabama, Kentucky. It was at 199 and a half. Amazing. Used my 33% boost Ooh, as well would you look on at that. So a little extra something. Hey, so if you're listening. I'll be tuned into that game with you, Kate. And uh, you have, you're betting on BetMGM. It's still 199 and a half. You better go get it. Go get it. Use go the get boost. get that right now. Come on. You get a nice little uh, plus money payout.
Live Cam, that. Cam seems so proud that he uses boosted. I do. I actually forgotten about it the other day. It I, is, I, it is I like, wanted to bet it on UConn on the spread against Creighton. I'm glad I didn't yeah. bet that and use my boost. But now I uh, can use it on something a little more. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I'm not going to say lock, but... Yeah, oh, you use the L word? Yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't say lock. I, I, oh, I'm you not going to say, say lock. Okay, okay, I'm not going to say lock. Because when you do that, you know, you, you might as well just kiss your money goodbye. Yeah. You know? I could have yeah. just give, given my $10 to you or Randy or right. Kev because if you say lock in anything sports betting, come You're on. done. You're done. Rookie, get out of here. I, it, there is a very um, satisfying feeling when you use a boost. It is. It it's is. almost yeah. like you're stealing or cheating or like somehow <laughs> like getting an edge that you but shouldn't. But you, you start to overanalyze too. <laughs> yes. you know, like, All right, I got this boost. How can I use this? What's what my are some best? great yes. juices, some great odds that I can bet this thing on? But just be smart. Take something that will for sure pay out I for you. Always, uh, I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. I, I just go big. I do like a five sixteen parlay or something. Use my boost <laughs> on should. that and I, try you know and like I, win big. I, I'm not mad at it. No, I should because just with, play it safe. Yeah, with, with those thirty three percent boosts that you have on BetMGM, the, the max stake is ten dollars. So you can't like that's place, true. That's you know, true. If you're going to go that wild, you can't like go fifty dollars or hundred dollars on something. It's not going to work that way. The max right. stake is ten dollars. So right. Just be smart about that. But I want to try and take that approach more. Like you, and kind of just go crazy with <laughs> just a wild Cook parlay. up something, like, big time. <laughs> it's fun every once in a while. Yeah, for sure go, for sure. go big or go home, right? Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. Uh, Randy, are the Cubs going big or going home this year? Transition a little to yeah. some spring training No, that action. was good. That was yeah. good. Uh, I, I, I have a, a lot of questions for the Cubs. Like, last year they won 83 games, and their best hitter is still sitting out there as a free agent right now. So mm. um, the division is – Pretty good again this year. Yeah. It wasn't great last year, but it's been pretty good. I don't know how good the Cardinals are going to be. I think the Reds are a really dangerous team this year. It could win that division. Um, but I'm a little perplexed. That, I mean, the Cubs really haven't. Can you name a? I mean, other than Craig Council, like a big offseason move they they made. No, I think Shota everyone Minaga. fans have been. Okay, oh, yeah, thank you. Well, the, the pitcher they brought in. The, oh the, right, yeah, right, oh. yeah. But again, he's he's not. He's a he's he's gonna be a good pitcher. He's 30 years old, right, Kev? So he's not like he's. He's a youngster, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm I am very uh, nervous with the Cubs going into this late without uh, having some more offense. I know there's like four or five really good players out there. Matt Chapman's out there still, who's a good hitter, but I don't know if they want him because they want uh, Kristen Kristen Morell at third base. So, Kev, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean the concern is with returning Cody Bellinger and where they improve. But you know, if you get guys like Kevin Alcantara, Alexander Canary to come up and be lethal hitters for this offense, I think you can survive the loss of Cody Bellinger in the event he doesn't return. It does feel like it's inevitable that Cody Bellinger will be a Cub and it's just being prolonged by Scott Boris and this is what he does with yeah. his big time guys. He's going to make your team pay top dollar for them and it's just a matter of time until the Cubs fold in and pay the money they they, they have to pay him until uh, the season approaches. But I'm still confident in what the Cubs have built and, and getting Shota Imanaga, yeah, he's 30 and yeah, he'll be the three or four in the rotation and guy who can't go, you know, six plus innings consistently, but that's an arm that they they need. They added to the bullpen with Hector Neris. There is a little bit of reason to believe that, hey, the Chicago Cubs should win this division. They're favored to win division. They should win the division. And what we know about the MLB in comparison to other sports is if you're in, and this is the approach that they've taken, I think, hey, if we get in, 
right? If we get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Look what happened last year. You had two wildcard teams get in, and the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, and one of them won the World Series and the Rangers. And I think the Cubs are taking that approach. And you can argue on whether that's the right approach because it's a little bit complacent. Um, but the way the MLB shakes out, and there's always you know a trade deadline in the middle of the season where you can add there, I think they're happy with what they have, obviously acquiring, acquiring Michael Bush as well to be uh, a third baseman for now. But I'm not too concerned, and I think that is part of you know the hope that I, I do think they will end up signing Cody Bellinger, but the Cubs, like, if you're looking at long-term value, like, 30 to 1 to win the World Series, but, you know, 16 to 1 to win the NL, it's, it's so hard at this moment to not bet the Dodgers, but you're not betting the Dodgers plus 180. Like, you just, right? You're not going to bet the Dodgers plus 180. It's just not great value. So, if you want to take a flyer, like, I think the Phillies are one of the better value bets in the National League, but I don't hate taking the Cubs 16 to one because the odds are 16 to one might move up to 15 to one, maybe 14 to one if they sign Cody Bellinger. So if you think that happens, you might as well jump on it now. But uh, I, I feel pretty good about the Cubs and where they're at in the NL Central. Kenny's not feeling you, um, Kev. Come Kenny, on, Kenny. Kenny, you want to jump Kenny in here? Saying? Come on, Cubs Kenny. To the World Series. <laughs> when did I say that? Say. Oh, you're saying, you're saying he, they should be in the World Series. No, I'm saying that that's what you're saying is that to take a, that it's good value for them to go to the World Series. Unless I'm getting them at a million to one, I'm never taking that. Why do you not like them to get to the World Series? It's the Cubs. Okay, it's the MLB. <laughs> what? It's the Cubs. They won the World Series seven years ago. I know. No. I, I I mean, it's not like this is a traditionally bad organization that hasn't gotten there, you know. And, and there, there's precedent for teams and their situation to make it there. And like I said, once you get in, anything happens. And the Dodgers are the most fearful team in the MLB we've seen in a long time, right? Like, that's a team that could win 110-plus games. Like, they are that good, obviously, with Shohei Otani leading the charge. But, you know... The Cubs have a pitching staff that can lock a team like that down, and everyone believes that the fate of the Dodgers could be what it's been the past couple of years, where you win 100-plus games, and then you run into a team like the Diamondbacks with a good pitching staff and a good one-two that just shuts you out you know, in the first couple of games. And just like that, a team with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani are going home in that first week of October. So uh, it's... I'm not going to bet them to win the World Series, Kenny. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bet them to win the World Series, but they're a team to monitor, and if they start to play well in the beginning of the season, maybe you take a flyer after the first couple months. Kev, would you take them to win over 83.5 games? Yes. 83 last year, set at 83.5 right now for... Is it, isn't Craig Council worth two or three yes. wins? Seriously? Yeah, no, so yeah, no, seriously, no. Yeah. I, I brought that up just to say that, you know, I'm definitely taking the over with that just because I think this team should be better as an entire unit, but also with Craig Council leading things. So this team is, is for me at least, uh, going to open up a lot of eyes. And so when it comes to the division and possibly them being a wild card team, mm -hmm. I think those are legit futures for this group and that they can have on their, their uh, resume when we finish up things in the regular season. Hey, I don't hate that at all. I could definitely get on board with that. Uh, Steve Spagnola, Chiefs Defensive Coordinator, joining us on the other side. You're listening to The Better Angle on the Beck Hill Network.